Welcome to episode number 33 of the Grab Blogger podcast. We're helping academics change the world through online business. We're helping you create an online business, create a side hustle, create a profitable company around your research experience and your expertise so you can change the world with what you're doing online. I'm your host, Dr. Chris Cloney. Today's episode, we have another listener question session. So there are three listener questions. These are collected through grabblogger.com slash ask or through communities I'm part of or coaching calls that we do as part of the Grabblogger platform. And in today's episode, we're actually going to be talking about hiring on Upwork. We're going to talk about finding clients for your service business. We're going to talk about people unsubscribing from your email list every time you send an email. So again, these are things I've collected from helping others in communities, from people asking questions on building their online business, on blogging through Grabblogger and other places like that. My big goal is to help you be successful in building an online business so you can make change in the world. So I am here to help you with what you need, any questions you have. If you have anything that you're stuck on or trying to figure out today, you can go to grabblogger.com slash ask, A-S-K. And there's a text form or a speak pipe form where you can actually talk or say or text, write down and text the, the questions that you have. We'll actually go through them on the podcast because I'm sure there's others that are having those same issues. And it'd be great to get that information out and help you build your online business. So getting right into it then, I'm going to talk about the first question, which is, how do I hire someone on Upwork? I'm worried about the amount of time and effort involved, and that will be a waste of time or money. So before we get into the kind of advice and the thoughts here on this question, I want to share a story of, of this whole feeling of wasting time. I know it's happened in my life before. Actually, the, the story that came to mind or the example was a, was a time that I visited a financial planner, and we've actually had a, a financial planner as part of my family um, for the last two years actually even longer than that. When I left my job back in 2016, we had, I had an RRSP, which in Canada is the registered retirement savings plan. And I transferred that over to a financial planner because it's kind of a big chunk of money that we had been saving for five years there. But this guy I've worked with a lot and I've told him directly that, you know, I don't want to see charts showing projections of what I do if I had another hundred dollars and, you know, the differential after 20 years, it's, it's completely useless hypothetical information. He's only measured on one thing. I have a mere portfolio that I've created myself through an online brokerage that just uses ETFs and is a very broadband kind of balanced investment strategy. At the end of the year, I just look at how that performed. I don't touch it at all. I do maybe rebalancing once or twice a year and look at how he did and then compare the two. So if he wants to go active and change things, then that's great. I just compare it to how a, a kind of dumb coach potato portfolio did. So that's all I really care about. If he wants to make changes, he's allowed to go ahead and do that. I just look at the end of the year and say, hey, was it worth my management fee? And I get some stories on whether or not it is, but we'll cover that in another episode. The point I want to talk about is, I don't know why, I hadn't seen him for maybe six months. And today, we actually came in, or this day, we came in to set up a registered education savings plan for my son. And he jumped right into these crazy charts and he wanted to make a change to my plan. And I just realized I was in for a big waste of my time. We literally sat there for 45 minutes looking at these graphs and I tried to like hustle, rush them along saying, you know, um, we, we don't really care about this. You know, if this is what you want to do, if you want to change one of our assets out to another one and one of our investments out to another one, go ahead. This is what I'm going to compare you to. And he made me sit through this whole presentation and really wasted my time. So I know that feeling of having your time wasted. And that's one of the biggest fears of going on Upwork and trying to find somebody to help you with your business. I want to give you some tips on how you can avoid that. So avoid having that feeling of remorse of wasting time and wasting money when you're trying to hire somebody new into your business. So the biggest tip here, and I'm going to restate the question, is how do I hire someone on Upwork? I'm worried about the amount of effort involved, and that'll be a waste of time and money. So 
the, the biggest key here is to start small and start with a paid test. And so these are two points. The first point starting small is really just start with really small tasks. Don't unload the design of a big ebook or, well, you could, that's kind of a medium sized task, I'd say, but start even smaller. My first hire on Upwork was someone who did one hour of Google research. I gave them a list of 20 or 30 keywords that I was searching myself every weekend to use to pull in articles for my content creation system at dustsafetyscience.com. We talked about that before on the podcast um, as part of the content machine series. But every weekend I'd Google these same 20 or 30 terms and we just add to the list as I go and find news articles about them. So that was the task that we, we offload. Very simple, very straightforward. Google these terms, bring back any relevant posts in a big list and email them to me. So that's a great starting point. If you're doing this sort of research in your blog to get content or get sharing um, other people's content that you share in your newsletters, this is a great task to outsource. Basically, you're paying somebody else to spend that hour Googling for you and they can do it just as good, oftentimes better than you can. So it was kind of impossible to be disappointed. And the price was you know, really competitive. It was uh, right around $10 an hour, I think. So $10 a week and I saved an hour to two hours of my weekend and just got these articles just emailed to me instead of having to Googling through. So if you're getting started online or you're getting started hiring, you know, start really small. It's a great way to do it. Gets you some experience on the platform, gets some experience dealing with other people, and you kind of start to learn that whole process. So the second part of this then is the start with a paid test. So now if you're moving to bigger tasks, there's a really key process or a process that I've developed, again, through trial and error. We've hired maybe, I want to say, eight to a dozen people. Well, we'll get into some of the bigger hires we've done. We've done 10 at one time, but maybe eight to a dozen times I've looked for freelancers on Upwork for different tasks as part of my business. And the, the best way to deal with these medium-sized tasks I found is a, is a seven-step procedure. So first I do the task myself then I do it again, but I write down the steps. I do it a third time and I take a video of myself doing it. Then I post the job description on Upwork and note that there'll be a paid test. I take one of the tests that I actually have already done or one of the cases I've already done, and that's the actual test that we get. So we select a couple of candidates then, get them to do that exact same test. That's step number six. And this test, see if they can follow the instructions, if they can actually make sense of the video, if they can get a similar to result to what I did or better than when I did the task. Step number six is to select whoever was best or most cost-effective or had the best work or was the easiest to communicate with or follow the instructions the best, whatever your criteria is for selecting. That's number six. And number seven is to let the other candidates know that you went in a different direction, whether you've added them to the short list and you might reach out for future jobs in the, in the future, things that you might need in the future. So this is a really simple way. This almost guarantees that you're not going to be upset if you run this test on something that's already been done. It's really small. Say it's creating a, a sidebar graphic for your website. Or even in my case, we actually did this for our content writing. So when we were writing blog posts for fire and explosion instance, this is the exact process I use to hire a content writer today. I wrote an example of a incident. I got the information, found it online, wrote a post up, wrote down the steps, took a video of how I do it. Not on that exact same test case, but on a new one. Sent that test case out as my paid test. You know, selected, I think we selected eight or maybe 10 writers to do the first test. And so I think it costs maybe $20 a writer. So you can kind of do the math there. It costs, you know, $100, $200 to do that test. But then I could just select from the best. And I think we paired it down to five. And we handed them out more, maybe five incidents. We paired that down to three. And then we paired that down to two. And then we paired that down to one. 
She's actually been our content writer now for over 12 months, I think probably going on a year and a half now through that whole process. And that's a great way to do it, a great way to know you're compatible with somebody to take these smaller steps. So start really small and start with a paid test instead of handing over a big batch, you know, saying I need these 10 blog posts created, just get started with one, or I need these 10 designs, or I need this whole report designed. Maybe if they're designing a, a content upgrade report for you, get them to design a cover. That'd be a great example. You know, get uh, three or four designers designed just a cover for the report, and then you can work with them and see which one you like best from that paid test and use that to move forward and select the best candidate. So that's how I'd recommend going about hiring somebody on Upwork. Again, start small and start with a paid test for anything that's, you know, any of any real size. So there's a couple of reasons why this is an important way to go. One is that it starts to train you. Hiring is a skill. Managing is a skill. It's actually a really hard one, especially for academics and especially for folks that are, you know, really technicians in what they do in life. They may really struggle to manage a team, to do hiring, to get things right. And that leads right back to this feeling of wasting time and money doing this. But I'll tell you, we've, we've now, we have over 500 posts on safetyscience.com. If I wrote all those myself, that would be a full-time job right there. And we hire somebody that's actually better at it, writes better content, writes it faster, and is doing a really great job by going through this process. So that's question number one, and how do I hire someone in Upwork? What are the steps that, uh, that I use for my business at Grab Blogger and Dust Safety Science? Question number two is how do I find more clients for my editing business? So in this case, they're editing manuscripts. And so this could be any service. So if you're providing copy editing or proofreading or CV setup or resume uh, services, anything where you're providing a service, how do I find more clients? And a lot of people get in the struggle where, you know, you get one or two jobs and then those pay out and you work on them and you go find more clients. You end up, you know, on Upwork trying to find more or these other processes. So the biggest tip I can give here is from one of the Jay Abraham books. I think it's getting all you can out of everything you got, but he talks about having a systematic referral system. So if you have clients already, this is the number one best way to get more clients in a systematic, easy process. So this is similar to a content machine or a customer insight machine that we talked about before, a systematic, scalable way that you can bring things into your business. But in this case, you're asking for referrals from your clients. So every client you have, you're saying, basically, I really loved working with you. You know, you are my ideal client. You're exactly the type of person that I'd love to continue working with. Do you know anyone else that's in a similar field or similar circumstance to you that would be a great match for what I'm doing? So the best way I can recommend to do this is actually to have a closeout questionnaire or a closeout survey that you give to every client. Not every client's going to fill it out, but actually you might be surprised at the return rate you get. It may be, you know, 70, 80, 90%. But the information that you'll get from this closeout survey will be really helpful for your business. And there's also, a, you know, a way to put a, a, a client referral system, systematic client referral system right in there. So here's an example of a survey. You might send an email after the project's over, thanking them, saying, you know, I really enjoyed the work. I really enjoyed the project. I was right up aligned with what I want to be doing with my business moving forward. I'm asking them if they are satisfied with the work. Ask them if there's any areas of improvement. This is a really good stopgap. If they weren't satisfied with the work, then you need to remediate that. You need to work with them to figure that out. So you kind of want to know. Most of the time, clients won't tell you when they're not satisfied with your work. They just won't hire you again. It'd be much better to know and then you know, maybe give them some free work or whatever, whatever it is to get them satisfied at the end of the day. Those first two questions. Are you satisfied with what we did? 
what are the areas of improvement? This is great for your business. Ask them in that survey if they remember where they heard about you. This is another critical way to get more clients. If you know where existing clients are finding you from, you can kind of double down on that. Maybe they stumble across your website. Maybe it's word of mouth. Maybe there's a single source that keeps referring people back to you. Knowing that is a great way to you know, double down on that. So those are first questions that are part of this close questionnaire. And then the next part is the referral system. So again, I mentioned you really want to phrase it in a way that you really enjoyed working with them. They're your ideal client. And you'd love to have other clients that are just like them. And if they know anybody, could they make a recommendation or a connection? If you want to really go on above and beyond here, you can tell them that you're happy to give a no commitment, risk-free consultation to that person. So you actually sit down and have a half an hour phone call with them, talk about their needs. And this is a great way because then they're actually giving, they're giving value to that person as well because they're giving a free consultation if they recommend you through to them. Plus now you're getting to talk to them about their business. You can also even give them a referral fee or maybe a discount code on future work for you or for both parties. This really depends on you know, how much a new customer is for you and what kind of margins you're working with. But this is a really good, great way to go. So this is what I'd recommend for picking up new clients. Basically with no net marketing needed, you just send a survey at the end of every job. Again, thank them, ask them if they're satisfied with the work, ask for areas of improvement, ask if they remembered where people found you or where they found you from. And then have a f- referral system right in, baked right in there. So they're the exact client that you're looking for. You're, they're your ideal client. You'd love to find more of them to help grow your business. Can you make a recommendation? And if you want bonus points for that, you can give a no commitment and risk-free consultation to that person. Or even a discount over your standard prices. Say, hey, you know my prices are at whatever dollar an hour because we have to put some front-end costs into finding new clients. If you're able to make this referral, we'll give a, a 10% or 15% reduction in our fees because you know this is how we grow our business. There's something along those lines, but you can kind of figure out what works best for you in your business. There are other ways if you don't want to send a survey. They all kind of revolve around talking to your customers. So if you don't want to do that, then you may be in the wrong business if you're in a service-based business. But you do an automatic one-month follow-up phone call. So after one month after completing every job, just give them a call and run through a survey with them or ask them some questions. Um, or you do a one-time survey to all past customers. Again, the same thing. I'm sending the survey out to all my customers that you know, we've had a lot of success with. Again, these you guys are my ideal clients. I um, really like working with you and just looking to see if you know of anyone else that needs my services. Or you know, do you need the next level of my services? Or maybe they helped you, maybe helped them edit a manuscript, but now they might need help setting up their next one or something like that or doing a grant proposal. So again, the best way is to follow up with your existing customers to find new ones. You can go a lot farther doing that than opening your continuing to, you know, hammer down on marketing and try to find new ones. So I recommend that if you're not having, if you don't have a systematic referral system in place for finding more clients as part of your existing client base, then put that into your business and you'll be pretty amazed. And in that book, he has a bunch of case studies, Jay Abraham does on how that helped his business or the businesses that he worked with. So those are our first two questions. Then our third and final question for this episode of the podcast is around list unsubscribes. So the, the comment is every time I send an email, People unsubscribe from my list. How do I stop this? So to really go through this one, there's a couple questions we need to ask ourselves. My guess is that the emails are not being sent very frequently. Otherwise, you wouldn't have this big, gigantic unsubscribe rate. So you need to ask yourself, why are they unsubscribing? They're probably unsubscribing because you haven't provided anything of value for like six months. Then you emailed them with something that's low value again, and they've said, you know, delete, I'm done with this one. This is getting harder. People are not tolerating stuff in their email box that is not helpful. Or maybe your clients just moved on. You know, an example might be that you help them with 
grad school applications, but now they're in their PhD program, they don't really need your help anymore. So there's two viewpoints here that I want to give you on this. One is maybe they shouldn't be on your list anymore. Like maybe they're unsubscribing because they're not your ideal customer. You've helped them out. And maybe you need to look at actually paring your list down, going through and sending emails saying, hey, if you don't click on this link, um, you're going to be automatically removed. Pare down your list to the people that are actually activated, motivated beyond it. Then you won't see as many unsubscribes every time. You'll have a smaller list, obviously. But do you really need those other people on your list? It's probably not that helpful. Viewpoint number two is if you're in the case where people are falling out of you know, needing your help anymore, can you start to offer something and that is that next step? So if you did grad school applications, now maybe it's helping them with lifestyle once they get into grad school or applying for scholarships would be a great follow-on to grad school applications. How do I apply for grad school scholarships? How do I complete my, my Viva, my test as a PhD student? Or you know, what are these next steps that they need in their life? Or once they graduated, how do I go finding a job? Can you start to offer information and advice for those next stages so they're not dropping off your list? A big note here I want to say is don't stop emailing them. The problem, the reason a lot of people drop off is because, again, if you're not hearing from them very frequently, then if you stop emailing because you don't want them to go on your list or to unsubscribe anymore, they're just going to drop off the next time you email them. So instead, you really want to look at increasing the value. And, and one key to this is having a good newsletter formula. My newsletter formula I'm using right now has three parts. It's what you, know, what you did and what's new as an evergreen part, which is you know, content that's always helpful. And then as a roundup of the best poster news. So I've talked about this in episode 23 of the podcast, content curation, repurposing, having a section where you're bringing the best information together, not necessarily your, only your information, but from around the web, including that in your newsletter, that's high value. The middle part here, this evergreen part, you can actually you know, do this over time. So there's, there's two tricks, these first two parts, what you did and what's new, and then the evergreen part. So what you did and what's new, I like to keep just a Google Doc. That's part of my document management system. Um, that I can just open with one click of a button here in my toolbar. And I just write down anything that I'm doing that week. So in terms of anything that would be relevant to the newsletter. So I've had a big win or I'm planning something or I'm having an off day or whatever the story is. Just go in there and type that in my newsletter and then in my newsletter Google Doc. And then when I go to write my newsletter at the end of the week, I have all that material there. I just pick and choose what I actually want to send out. That's a great way to do this, you know, what you did or, or what's new part of your newsletter. Then the evergreen part, you can actually do this way beforehand. So maybe it's tips and tricks to have better success in grad school or, um, you know, in, in my case for dust safety science, ways to be safer in the workplace, or I don't know what it is. But the, the thing you can do here is sit down and just, you know, write in one sitting 12 of these. So 12 of these tip sections, maybe it's quotes. That's a really good one. Going and getting quotes that are relevant to your audience. So go down and get a bunch of them all at once, write them all out, take a four hour session and, and do 12 or 26 or I don't know, as many as you can, 52. That would give you a whole year's worth of week, weekly newsletters. And then those evergreen parts are there for you just to pull in every week. So again, three parts of your newsletter. One's what you did, what's new that week. You can track that in a Google Doc. An evergreen part that's actually you write beforehand and just do a big list them and then pull them into your newsletters. And then just a roundup of the best posts or news or material going on, the best content online for your website. That would be a very high value newsletter, something that people aren't as likely to unsubscribe to. So there you have it. Those are the three listener questions from this week. Um, how do I hire someone on Upwork? How do I find more clients for my service business? 
And how do I stop people from unsubscribing every time I send an email? Again, this one, you might want to think about why they're unsubscribing and maybe they shouldn't actually be on your list in the first place. Or can you create some more value or help them in the next stages of their journey? So if you like this episode, you found it useful and helpful, um, keep sending questions in. Go to grablogger.com slash ask. Ask your questions there. We'll cover those on the podcast. We'll help you, again, grow and run your business so become profitable so you can make big change in the world through research experience and your expertise. If you're liking the episode, give me a shout out on social media. Tag me at grablogger on Twitter, on Instagram. Um, definitely go give the show a five-star rating or uh, an honest rating, I should say, whatever you think the value is that you're getting from it and give it a review if you have any questions. So again, the link for asking a question to GrabBlogger is grabblogger.com slash ask. Beyond that, I'm looking forward to continuing helping you build your online business, helping you build your blog into something that makes you an authority in your space, uh, something that you can grow into a profitable business to change your life and change the world moving forward. Thank you.